Grant and I am uh, the lead pastor here. Pastor Sam is our lead pastor and Pastor Jordi is the associate pastor of Family Ministries. Uh, if you're new with us today, then I just want to remind you uh, that uh, on your phone, cornerstonealliance.info, are sermon notes, and you can fill in notes there and have them emailed to yourself. Or if you prefer paper copy, you may have picked one up on your way there, on your way in. And uh, if you have a Bible, please bring out your Bible. You can use a Bible on your phone. Or uh, there, uh, Brian and Karen are walking down the aisle right now. If you'd like to borrow uh, a Bible from us for this morning or also paper copies of server notes. So everything is there, cornerstonealliance.info, if you wanted to check that out. Today, uh, this is our fourth, fifth sermon uh, in this sermon series called Risen, and we are extending our celebration of Easter. Easter happened uh, on one, the Easter celebration typically happens on one Sunday, but we are extending it until next week. If we follow, if you look at the church calendar, Easter happens for many weeks. It continues on until next week um, when we celebrate the ascension of Jesus Christ. And so next week, uh, Jeff Dresser is here as a guest worship leader, and then you will be hearing about uh, the ascension and how uh, that relates to your everyday life. Maybe you haven't thought about that before, but next week we'll finish our eight-week celebration of Easter. So this week, uh, it's our fifth sermon uh, in this series. For the last three weeks, we have looked at different sacrifices in the Old Testament and how they have related to this blood sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, and how that relates to our everyday lives. So let me just, um, well, I don't, let me, I'll just give you a personal example. I'll bring up the sermon notes right now. And I just want to read the introduction to our sermon here. This sermon series, we're celebrating the risen Christ by looking at Jesus' death as a sacrifice. When we think about Jesus' death, it can make us feel squeamish because of all of the blood that is involved with sacrifices. Or maybe the whole concept of sacrifice just feels barbaric to you. So it might be hard to accept his sacrifice or to want any part of it. But Jesus' death is life-changing for us. So this series, this is the last sermon in this series, will help us move beyond a narrow view of Jesus' death by looking at four aspects of his sacrifice, and our hope is that you will see how Jesus' death can change your life. We celebrate, uh, we sing about uh, the blood of Jesus, and it might sound uh, awful. Some of the, the lyrics that we say, there's power in the blood, how is there power in the blood of Jesus? And we've talked about this before, but the blood of Jesus is talked about a lot uh, in the New Testament. It's talked about, it is referred to more, uh, even, it's referred to more times than the death of Jesus Christ is referred to. So it's an important part of our faith. It is central to our faith. And when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're not talking about the literal, you know, the gory blood that was pouring down his face and his body. It was, it's a metaphor to talk about all that Jesus' sacrifice accomplished for us. And so I'd like you to remember that. And uh, I know that um, if you're like me, it does, blood does make you feel squeamish. Maybe you fainted when you dissected a frog, like me. Well, I almost, I didn't, almost. I just had to visit the nurse's room. I didn't really faint. <laughs> but think of it as a, as a metaphor. It's imagery to, to talk all that Jesus has done for us. And that's what the New Testament refers to when we talk about the blood of Jesus. And there's power in the blood, and we're, we're forgiven by his blood and all of these things. So today, uh, we will be looking at um, Jesus' death and how it is uh, a means for forgiveness for us. And some of you might be thinking, well, why did it take us so long you know, to get to forgiveness? We're talking about Jesus' sacrifice here, right? Because 
one of the verses you might, and hey, this verse is what the Bible quizzes will be memorizing next year, right? Hebrews and First and Second Peter, isn't that right? And Hebrews is a great book to read if you want to learn more about Jesus' sacrifice, especially chapters 9 and 10, but you've probably heard this verse before. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. So why did it take us so long to get to forgiveness? We had three other F words, and we're coming to the fourth F word today, forgiveness. We began looking at the first great sacrifice uh, in the Bible, and that is uh, the Passover. And how the Passover... Um, was all about freedom. It wasn't about forgiveness. It was about bringing slaves into freedom. The people of God were, were slaves in Egypt, and God rescued them, and they celebrated this year after year after year, right to this day, with the great uh, feast called the Passover. So it's about freedom. And then once they had been saved, they began um, this relationship with God, and then God drew them into a covenant relationship. At the foot of Mount Sinai, he, he drew up this plan, this, this covenant, and so he brought them into family. And so these words, family, um, household, is a very popular word in the New Testament to talk about the church, the people of God. We talk about brothers and sisters, and so this, this gives us um, identity, and this is who we are. We are family of God. And Jesus often talks about uh, brothers and sisters and mothers, and sometimes when you read his words, you think, well, he's really kind of you know, putting down his mother or his brothers and sisters, and he isn't, he isn't really putting them down, but he's elevating this idea of the spiritual family, the spiritual household. And so right here we are brothers and sisters, and so we treat each other as, as brothers and as sisters and as aunts and uncles, and we are part of this family. So that is another thing that was um, highlighted through this sacrifice. Another sacrifice that they, they had was um, one that we often overlook because it was a daily, several times a day. It was a daily fellowship uh, sacrifice. So once they had been freed, they developed this relationship, this covenant relationship with God, and then this is every, every day they were, they were being with God. And we talked about this last week, how it's the very basis of our relationship is, is being with him, not what we do for him or not what we get from him, although everything we get is from him, but the very basis is just being with him. This is what God wants. And so that was uh, commemorated through uh, these daily fellowship sacrifices. And when Jesus' death is referred to, uh, when we celebrate the, um, the communion and the uh, um, the Lord's Supper, this is a fellowship, it's a communion with Jesus Christ. His blood is a participation uh, for us. And then finally today, we get to um, forgiveness. All of this is maintained through the forgiveness of sin. So why didn't we go to forgiveness first? Because if we go there first, this is a very popular theme. We might forget that, that's, that there's other things involved with this blood of Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice and what our risen Lord has accomplished for us. We didn't go to forgiveness first because God didn't. This is the order uh, of these sacrifices in the scripture. So finally, today, uh, we get to forgiveness. And so, if you have your Bibles, or if you're borrowing a Bible, or if you have your notes open, there should be a link you can click to. The Day of Atonement is found right in the middle of Leviticus. Jesus' sacrifice accomplished for us freedom, and so we can live in freedom. Unless, of course, you are not born again. If you have not received the gift of the Holy Spirit, if, you have, if you're still spiritually dead, then, well, you're not free. But if you have, then you are free. We live in freedom. The next thing is a fellowship. We have our family, sorry, family, fellowship. And of course, there's a whole bunch of verses in Leviticus and in the rest of the Bible that talk about forgiveness. And so, yes, God has provided a way for us to be forgiven. And we want to look at this today, especially in the Day of Atonement. Leviticus chapter 16 is a long chapter. I'm not going to read it for you. 
three minutes, and would you read Leviticus chapter 16? I'll refer to some of the verses later, but um, let's try that. Okay, so go ahead, read Leviticus 16. Okay, so if you finished reading Leviticus chapter 16, then uh, you don't have to do your devotions today. See, we did two birds of one stone right there. Just kidding. But uh, thank you for reading. Uh, this is uh, the day of lots of stuff in there, right? It was a big, long chapter. I, so we're not going to go through verse by verse because that would take forever. But I do want to point out uh, a few of the verses and just kind of summarize what the Day of Atonement is about as it relates to Jesus' blood and uh, his sacrifice. Day of Atonement is all about a cleansing. Look at Leviticus chapter 16, verse 30. You should have your Bible still open. It says, because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then, before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. It's about a cleansing. It's about a purifying, a cleaning. This is uh, what the blood of Christ accomplishes for us, a cleansing or a cleaning. Also, look at Leviticus chapter 16, verse... Leviticus chapter 16, verse 16. You notice that it wasn't just the people who were cleansed. It says, then... In this way, verse 16, he will make atonement for the most holy place because of the uncleanness and rebellion of the Israelites, whatever their sins have been. He is to do the same with the tent of meeting, which is among them in the midst of the forgiveness, this holy place, the tent of meeting, the place where they were meeting was also cleansed. Verse 18, then he shall come out to the altar. The altar also needed to be cleansed. The altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. He shall take some of the bloods, the bull's blood and some of the goat's blood and put it on the horns of the altar. So it was about cleansing. And this reminds us, Hebrews chapter 9 looks back to this. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Everything must be cleansed with blood. How much more then will the blood of Christ cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? The Day of Atonement was about a cleaning and a cleansing, a purifying. Also, other parts of the New Testament say the same thing. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 2 says, Otherwise would they not have stopped being offered, for the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. This is something the, the sacrifices are repeated over and over again. But Hebrews the New, and the rest of the New Testament tells us that there is no need anymore for any of these daily sacrifices, for these fellowship offerings, for these, the blood of bulls and goats. Why? Because Jesus is our Passover. He has been the sacrifice once for all. It's like, that's kind of good news. Like When you ask for forgiveness, you don't need to kill something. Isn't that kind of nice? Right? I, I think that's kind of good news. Also, 1 John 1, 7, 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, what does the blood of Jesus do? It purifies us from all sins. It cleanses us. And then uh, verse 9 as well, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the blood of Christ does many things. It, one of the things it does is to purify us. It cleanses us. It makes us clean. So I love when you interact with messages during the week. Maybe you send a tweet or you send something um, to me on Instagram. And so our drummer boy, Dan, sent me a picture. It's like this, because maybe some of you maybe are more visual. I think he said it's okay to share. If not, too late. <laughs> oh, isn't that kind of a graphic picture? I don't know. What, what, is that in your backyard? Dan, I'm not sure where you got that from, but Actually, I think it was Samaritan's Purse, right? Somehow related to that. So I want to give you two gross pictures to, to show you what I mean by the blood of Christ today. The next one is this one. Bring your own cup to uh, 7-Eleven Day. 
don't worry. Before I filled it with a slurp, I filled, I wiped it with a Lysol wipe. The blood of Christ, one of the many things the blood of Christ does for us is it cleanses us. It purifies us from all unrighteousness. So if you're a visual person, maybe that picture of this sacrificed lamb and Lysol wipes might help you remember what we're talking about today. The blood of Christ purifies us. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Christ brings us freedom. This is why today we can live in freedom. The blood of Christ um, brings us into family. We have a place to belong. We have identity. It provides uh, fellowship for us. We can be with God. The, the, any barrier between us and God has been removed because of the blood, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Christ brings cleansing and purifying. It brings forgiveness. But I want you to notice something here. Here's a dramatic pause. God didn't start with forgiveness. This isn't the order. First, he brought freedom. Then he brought people, his people into a family. Then he brought them into fellowship with him. God's relationship with his people, Israel, didn't begin with forgiveness. It, it began in this order. So God, his relationship with the people of Israel, forgiveness of sins is what maintains that relationship. It isn't what started the relationship with the people of Israel. It was started before that, before the sacrificial system was put in place. Forgiveness of sin maintains the relationship. And it was a way for them to experience all of these benefits, but also to stay in fellowship, to stay in communication, to stay in relationship with him. God provided this sacrificial system because he knew people are going to mess up, people sin, and we do. But he provided a way to make amends. And so today, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we don't need to go through the whole sacrificial system all over again. But we do need to continually be confessing our sins to maintain our relationship with God. So let me just pause for a second there because I don't want to be misunderstood, but I, you know, I, I'm often misunderstood. Uh, and that's okay. If you have any questions, come talk to me or tweet me or whatever. We begin our relationship by receiving the forgiveness that he has offered to us. It's like a gift that's given to us and, and many people don't want to open it. Like an Amazon box is delivered on the front step and they leave it. They haven't actually received it yet. Once you open it, then you, so it's a free gift. We receive the forgiveness. We repent of our sins. We repent and be baptized. We believe. And we begin this new relationship with Jesus Christ. We are born again of spirit. And we are given freedom. We're given family. We're given identity. Right? We're given fellowship with him. And also, we also continually need to be asking for forgiveness. Some people think that once we've asked for forgiveness, it's all done for the rest of our lives because the sacrifice of Jesus is once and for all. But the scriptures show that we continue sin and we continually need to be asking for forgiveness. It's not because we fall out of relationship with God. We're, we're still in relationship with him. It's not because we, we're going to lose our salvation or however you want to put it, or we, we stop having eternal life when we don't ask for forgiveness for something. It's kind of like, for those of you who are married, you'll get this. If you're not married, I think you'll still understand. Like say, in a marriage relationship, the husband um, does something, you know, maybe he, he just is not nice to his wife. Not that that ever happens here. Uh, and um, I don't want to think of like too bad of it. But you, okay, so there's, she, he, he's not nice to her. And, um, and maybe he just ignores her or, or uh, takes her for granted. 
That can happen sometimes, right? So maybe he just takes her for granted. And then she feels bitter, and maybe they stop talking, and um, there's not much communication. So, I mean, are they still married? They're still married, right? They're still husband and wife. Are they still in love with each other? Well, I don't know, maybe. Um, are they still in a relationship? Yes. Are they still communicating? No. But they haven't fallen out of, but they don't have a good relationship. Right? They're not even talking to each other. Maybe they're giving each other silent treatment. So forgiveness then is what maintains, it helps to restore that relationship to what it once was or to what, how it, it should be. And so you can see that with people. Right? We live in community, right? This is, this is an example, one, one expression of the body of Christ. And if we're going to live together, Cornerstone, as a community, what do we need? We need forgiveness because we hurt each other. We say mean things to each other sometimes, or we think them, we pass them on to other people, or we gossip, and, and uh, that happens. We do our best. We are free to not do these things, but sometimes we choose anyways. And so we need forgiveness in any relationship, right? In your family, uh, in a dating relationship, in a marriage relationship, with friends, in our community here. Forgiveness is what maintains the relationship. And, you know, I hate using statistics because every university student knows statistics, you know, it can mean whatever. So... Just say it could be 80%, could be 60%, I don't know. But I've read things by non-Christian psychologists who, who don't have any faith or they don't express any faith. They would say that if, if their clients would just forgive, they wouldn't need any more therapy anymore. Like 80% or some people say 60%, but it, whatever it is, it's a large majority of people have problems simply because they're not able to forgive. And these are non-Christian, like Dr. Phil and Oprah. And, and well, I, you know, I'm not... I shouldn't judge. I don't know what their faith is. But um, people who aren't standing on a platform of faith will say forgiveness is really important for relationships. So we get that. Same with our relationship with God. It's not like we stop being part of his people, but we do become distant. Like a husband and wife might become distant when there's unforgiveness or even people in our congregation. And so forgiveness is the way that maintains that relationship. It's important for us, even though we are Christians, even though we are followers of Christ, to keep fresh, to keep asking for forgiveness, not because you know, we've fallen out of a relationship with it, but it's how we remain close. It's how we remain intimate with God. And God has provided the way. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not killing animals anymore. We're not sacrificing things anymore. We just bring it to God and confess. And he's faithful. And he will purify us from our sins. So maybe some of you are, you've been believers for a long time. You've been, maybe you're new Christians, but maybe you feel a bit of a distance in your relationship with God. I'm not saying this is the reason, but it can be. It may be one of the reasons is you need to confess to God and just let him know you, you sinned. And call it sin and, and ask him for forgiveness. And, and we, we, we do this at least once a month. We give you opportunities to, to confess when we celebrate communion at the Lord's table. But I mean, that's not enough. We need to be doing this more regularly. Five of our people uh, went to a set-free retreat this weekend. And part of what they do, it's not the whole thing, part of what they do is, is spend some time confessing. And uh, over 40 of you have been involved in these set-free retreats uh, over the years, so you know uh, what it's like. And uh, Noah, you were one of them, right? Our guitarist. Yeah, was it a good experience for you? He said it was the best $50 he ever spent. Life-changing, life in his words. So, I mean, it's not even been 24 hours yet, so life-changing, you know, we're watching you. We're going to see, is it, is it really, you know? It's easy to say that, right? Um, but I can say this because I know from personal experience myself when I've been really 
uh, detailed about my confessions. It has been life-changing uh, for me. And some of you have said the, the same thing. And it, things happened three years ago, and people are freed from something simply because they were c- keeping their confessions alive. And that, that's pretty long. That's not just a spiritual high from this retreat. Three years, that's pretty long. Four years. So we have that experience when you know these people. Some of you know who I'm talking about. So forgiveness of sin is what maintains a relationship. In the scripture, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes to his church in Corinth. He's writing to believers. He's writing to Christians. The only reason he wrote those letters is because they were screwing up all the time. Like, if, if you want to know, like don't, don't ever say we should be like the New Testament church because like they were pretty bad, the church in Corinth was, right? And you can remember some of the pastors. Quizzers memorized that before too, right? So it was great. Um, but they're Christians. Paul said, you need to, you know, you're, you're doing something wrong. This is, this is the only reason we have instructions on the Lord's Supper is because they were doing it wrong, and so he had to correct how they were doing it. And so he says, you confess sins is important for Christians to do. So we can't hold the Bible on one hand and the other hand say we can't, there's no need to confess anymore because the Scripture is telling us that Christians, followers of Christ, need to be confessing regularly. Not because it brings us back into a relationship with God, not because it's how we're saved, but it's how we maintain our relationship. And we could see that through the history of Israel. It was the forgiveness of sins is what maintained that relationship with his people, wasn't it? He'd already started the relationship before he brought this in. So forgiveness of sins maintains our relationship. I want to, I mean, that's, that's going to stay up there for like, that's the main point. This is how, one of the reasons the blood of Christ affects our daily lives today. We need to be confessing regularly. You don't need to confess everything to a brother or sister, but you do need to confess everything to God. Some things you may need to confess to a brother or sister. And we make amends. It's good for your soul. It's good for our community. It's good for your family. If there's any relationship or friendship that you had in the past that is severed right now, can you, what might be the reason? Maybe there's forgive, unforgiveness on one part or both parts. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you'll be reconciled. It takes two to reconcile. Sometimes when you forgive someone, it makes them even angrier. Have you ever noticed that? Like, what, I don't need anything. They get, you know, why are you forgiving me? I didn't do anything wrong. And then it makes them worse. But it makes the relationship worse sometimes. There's no guarantee that just because you forgive someone, your relationship will be restored. But it won't be restored if there still is unforgiveness. And so if you're feeling distant from God, if you're feeling distant from Jesus, one reason might be because of our sins. David and Bathsheba, he, he did these... He murdered, right? planned murder of this woman's wife and, and he basically raped her and then and got her pregnant and then it was, it, was all, this, it was an awful scenario, right? But he said, when he wrote a psalm, he said, I've sinned against God. Of course he sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah, but he also saw it was a sin against God. Do we, you know, when we lie about someone or when we gossip, but do you realize that you're also sinning against God? So confess these things to God. This is part of what we do. And, and you know what? You can be confident even before you begin confessing that God's going to forgive you. Like, you already know the outcome. It's so great. It's so freeing. Confess and receive forgiveness. Like, if you, think, you know, if you confess to someone, if you ask forgiveness, they may not forgive you. That's their choice. But God is a forgiving God. Don't just say it with your words. You confess and you repent and it's that our relationship with others, but most importantly, our relationship with God is maintained. Some of you may know A.W. Tozer, and so I'm going to rely on him for a little bit because he is a great preacher. He was a Christian Missionary Alliance pastor. He spent some time in Toronto, and my mother would, would travel to Avenue Road uh, Church to, uh, to hear him preach sometimes. He's passed away. Uh, but A.W. Tozer 
Um, this is my, my gift to you today. I'm going to leave it with you as, as we leave. He wrote uh, an article once, many years ago. Um, it was 10 steps how to have spiritual, a personal spiritual revival. When I use someone else's words, I should use their words, right? Hang on a second here. You have a link to it in your notes. And there are paper copies available for others. This is what he said. Now, I know when people say, okay, so 10 steps to having a personal revival okay, by A.W. Tozer. I, I see these things, you know, on Facebook. and well, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but in, you know, like three ways to something. It's like clickbait, right? Like three reasons why. I mean, that's those, those listicles are the best ways to get by thing. I'm skeptical. And you click on it. You're like, oh, it's just common sense. I already knew that. It was dumb. Um, so when he says 10 steps, to having a personal revival by A.W. It's not like that. This is before Twitter and stuff. These are, he says, any Christian who desires to, to any Christian who desires to may at any time experience a radical spiritual renaissance. Those are pretty strong words. Any Christian, if you want to, at any time, you can have a spiritual revival. And this is independent of the attitude of your fellow Christians. The most important question is how? How do we do this? Is this for real? Like any Christian can have a, a spiritual revival at any time? How? He says, well, here are some suggestions which anyone can follow and which I am convinced, this is A.W. Tozer, will result in a wonderfully improved Christian life. It sounds like too good to be true, right? It sounds like someone like clickbait, but this is for real. And so there's a yellow card at the back. You can take that home or you can download the PDF copy on here. This is my gift to you. But in here, several of these steps are related to our confession of sin and making restitution. He says, make, um, do a thorough job of repenting. Don't hurry. Don't get it over with quickly. Okay. Hasty repentance means shallow spiritual experience and lack of uncertainty in the whole life. Let godly sorrow do its healing work. Until we allow the consciousness of sin to wound us, we will never develop a fear of evil. It's our wretched habit of tolerating sin that keeps us in our half-dead condition. You can read more of this uh, on your paper. Take this home. It's perfect size to stick in your Bible. If you've got a uh, Bible, it's, kind of, it's on cardstock, and it's yellow. It's great. This is my gift to you. Forgiveness of sins maintains a relationship. If you'd like to have a personal spiritual revival, and who wouldn't because God is awesome, and when you have got a close relationship with God, you're like walking on clouds. It's amazing. Part, some of what you have to do is confess your sins, and we can do that. God is faithful. He's provided the way. The blood of Jesus makes the way possible for us to do this. So we live in a great time in this New Testament era. So forgiveness of sins maintains that relationship. If you have not yet begun a relationship with, like, what are you waiting for? This is really good news. Like, it's, it's fantastic. You can have freedom. Are there things that, you know, oh, I wish I could stop doing, and well, I can't? Well, maybe it's because you have not been spiritually uh, born again. You're not spiritually alive. This is part of what the blood of Christ does for you. So I, I encourage you, be, be born again. Repent and believe. Accept the, the gift that God is giving you, and you can be free. Do you feel like you don't have a place to belong anywhere? A lot of us do. Loneliness is one of the, the biggest problems of our society today. Well, family of God. This is part of what the blood of Jesus Christ does. Fellowship with him, the creator, this eternal being who existed before. You can have fellowship with him. You can like, talk with him and walk with him. If you don't have that, then I encourage you. Talk to one of us. Talk to a friend who's a believer. We can help you. 
and you begin that relationship. And if those of you who have begun that relationship already, which is probably most of us, maintain it. Just ask for forgiveness. Take some time. You know, busyness, I say that we're so busy, and we're too busy, myself included. I had to take two days off this week because Monday was like a, a supposed-to-be holiday, and so I had to take another one, and so I was, but I made myself do it. But it's good. We need to be, stop being busy, because if you're too busy, you can't confess. And you're not even aware, or you do it hastily. So take that uh, homework home, and uh, maybe this week you can have a personal spiritual revival by appropriating the blood of Christ, all that he has done for us, uh, into your daily life today. And then next week, we'll continue our celebration of Easter with the Ascension. Let me pray, and then um, the music team can come on up and lead us in our last song. Heavenly Father, thank you, uh, because you're so good, and you give really good gifts. So we love your good gifts. We know that your good gifts aren't just for us to enjoy, but also for us to pass on and be a blessing to other people. And Would you fill us with your love, that we can pass that on to other people? And God, please draw, keep drawing us closer. We are like prodigal sons. We, we walk away, but you're always there waiting for us, so thank you. Bring us back to you. Send a famine or something that, that urges, makes us return to you. Thank you for your blood because of all that it accomplishes for us. Forgiveness being one of those things. God, you're amazing, and we thank you.